Welcome to The Lively Show. Let's explore the beauty of being alive. Hello, my friends, and welcome to today's show. I am so excited to do a good old-fashioned Q&A episode with you. I know if you're wondering, uh, you're getting a sense of me as a podcast, oh, I mean, I guess as a host for the last 10 years, you would know this about me as well, but even in the last few weeks, we've been doing the Friendly Unknown pod class, and I have yet to do my final episode for that. So to be continued on that, I just intuitionally kind of feel like the last episode hasn't come through me yet to be shared with you yet. But in the meantime, I was thinking, you know what, what does feel good to check in with you guys about is a good old fashioned Q&A. It's been a minute since we've done one. So I've got a whole batch of questions to be answering soon. So stay tuned for that in a second. And before I get into it, it's been so fun to see people registering already for the upcoming two classes you guys have asked for when I was doing a little call out saying, how can I support you and what you're going through in your lives right now? Two classes were voted to be the classes that come next, Expanding Alignment and Aligned Business. So Expanding Alignment is all about that sparkle and joy, getting yourself into that practice of alignment before action. Whether you're a new person at that or an expert at it, it's going to be about playing in the group together in an experimental workshop sense where you're going to be spending those four weeks together as a group, going into greater experiences and really pushing the limits of wherever your mind is already about what is possible when it comes to living from alignment before action and how to find greater levels of alignment and different experiences of alignment to just really expand that sparkle and joy factor. I'm so excited for that one because that has also been meaning that I've been getting to live out and practice this out in all new levels and ways myself in order to prepare and share with you. So if you want to join that one, it's going to be four weeks long starting on March 3rd on Sundays. So if you have you know time frames, that's a little bit of a different thing, but we've been finding that that's useful for a lot of people. And the calls are recorded. So if you can't make every single one, no worries at all. It'll be, I'm sure, given the topic itself, going to be attracting a lot of very fun, vivacious and vibrant people. So I'm sure many buddies and friends will be made and met there. So you can also take the the friendships that you cultivate through an experience like that and then take them into years forward like many community members have through IVFT and all the other classes we've done as well. So that is happening. And you can go to bellalively.com slash expand alignment to join us for that one. We also have Aligned Business, which was the other requested course. So this is for business owners, whether it's full-time or part-time is totally you know, your call. If you have a business that you're in charge of and you are wanting your inner voice to become the CEO, are you ready to take the leap and let your inner voice be the inspiration, the source of decision-making, the source of place to make decisions like pricing and taxes and bookkeeping and marketing and hiring and product development and offerings and pricing, you name it. Are you letting or are you interested in allowing your inner voice to take over that role of CEO and let your inner, or in your mind rather, become more of a COO? If that sounds like a fit for you, this is something people were asking for. And like the other class, my intuition's been leading me into, I was already doing really good at that. That's been something in my life for many years that I'd give myself a pretty good score on, but to do it 100% or as close to 100% as possible, which is the intention and the request from the community for 
the class itself, that was the new edge for me. So I think I was offering myself about a, a solid 92 to 95% inner voice CEO, but there was a bit of some percentage points still handed over to the mind. So I've been living out that, handing over those last few remaining percentage points of mind control to the inner voice in the last several months. And it's been fun to see and interesting and insightful and enlightening to see how that actually looks to live it in even greater ways myself. So if that sounds like a fit, I'll go over to bellalively.com slash aligned business. That will be six weeks long, so longer and more in depth. Uh, there'll be plenty of hot seating in both classes. If you join us, I go for, I'm pretty famous for going four to six hours talking and coaching in these kind of calls. So I will hot seat with everybody that I, as many people as I can. I go, generally speaking, as almost long as I can. And that class will take place on Tuesday. So Sundays and Tuesdays. And if you want to join both, you are more than welcome to join both classes. There's a little discount for joining the combination if that's appealing to you. As always, if your intuition feels like a fit, I'm excited to work with you. Okay, now let's get into the Q&As, guys. I'm excited to see what you guys have asked. I've got a lot of questions, so I may not be able to get to everybody's. And as always, if I don't get to yours, please share the question and copy paste it even if you want to. The next time you notice on Bella Lively World uh, on Instagram, that's my Instagram handle, please just like share a little, you know, question or copy paste if you don't get your question answered in this episode itself. Okay, so let's go into, we've got Camille Minerbro, I might be saying Minerbro wrong, but she asks, how to navigate when nothing seems to be working out for you? Like you just feel stuck. Okay, when nothing seems to be working out for you, it feels like that. And what's interesting about that is it could be a few different potentials. And obviously your inner voice will be the place and source to go for to find out the actual potential that's playing out for you right now. I just had six client sessions this week, which is a lot of client sessions for me. Normally I don't have quite that many, but one of the clients I'm just thinking about, I worked with yesterday. She was working with me and one of the subjects she wanted to cover was career for herself. And she's been wanting to to go from working in contract work and freelance to a full-time job. And in the last few years, that hasn't been happening for her. So we talked about that with her inner voice. And for her experience, she might feel like she was feeling stuck, kind of like what Camille's saying here in this question. So in her experience, what the inner voice told her as we went into her inner voice after we released some emotional beanbags was that it's not actually been stuck. She hasn't actually been doing anything wrong. She hasn't been like badly manifesting, air quotes, not getting a job. There hasn't been anything wrong, actually. It was actually intentional from the inner voice point of view. And we asked why, and it said because it was about her learning how to trust herself instead of trusting in the job stability. She's been learning how to trust in her inner voice and the flow of aligned events to happen to her in these last few years. And also she recognized even on the mental level, how much growth and how much insight and expansion she'd had on so many other dimensions, not just career, but like within herself, consciousness wise, spirituality wise, those kind of things. So this period of openness actually allowed her to explore and grow in many dimensions and directions, not just in the career one alone, had she had a full-time job. So Hannah Voice also told her that the next step in the career will be coming soon. Her mind, of course, didn't like soon. It wanted to say Wednesday at 3 p.m. on, you know, March 22nd. Like it wanted something that specific, but the inner voice doesn't usually work in those types of specific time frames that the mind desperately wants. But it did say soon. And then we said, well, how will she know when this soon has happened? And in her case, her inner voice said the money's going to start flowing. So what she'll know is that it's time and it's the right thing when the soonness happens to flow more money in a certain direction. So 
that is an example where it seems like nothing was working out for her on the career front of full-time job, but there was actually so many other things that were happening. And that was the alignment. And, and also, I can speak to this, Camille, when it comes to the visa, right? As I shared in the Flow Diaries episode recently about my getting the flat and getting the visa, there was a lot of long delays. And you could definitely say, and I could even feel throughout parts of that, like nothing seems to be working out for me in terms of the visa process being slow, delayed, silent, rejected, all these little things along the way, which I shared about. But my intuition had told me that the reason it was bumpy and ch- chunky and slow and you know, plodding along was actually because I hadn't found the right place to live yet. And so part of the visa was really tied to having a place I wanted to live. And if the visa came first, I would be settling for the best thing on the market available at that exact time since I was so eager to get into a house. But because the house that was right for me wasn't available yet, or I hadn't seen anything that felt like an actually aligned fit the way that my current place makes me so happy and does feel great, this was part of the flow was not to get the visa too soon. And the delayedness of it still gave me the flat exactly um, when it was available, not a moment too soon, because I couldn't get it any sooner than this exact moment I received it in October. But then it's still delayed, (laughs) which was not my mind's opinion or wanting. But it actually ended up aligning to my dad's health concerns and the massive change my family has been going through on that front. And so that actually worked out in a way that served a lot of different needs and also gave me a longer runway of using and enjoying my visa. So those are good things. I can't. So you just basically, all I have this to say is that it might look like the thing that you want is not working out for you, but ask your inner voice, is that true? Do you think that's true inner voice that it's not working out for me? If yes, why? And if no, why not? And I'll probably say no, that it doesn't think it's not true, that everything's not working out for you. It'll probably think some things definitely are. And it can tell you what it's about. There might be a real intention to this chapter of time that your mind doesn't like what it's assigned your inner voice bigger picture to, but at least you'll know. You know, at least I knew the visa wasn't actually flawed and fatally terrible. It was just my inner voice saying, you know, you haven't found a place to live yet and we don't want you to settle for the visa and then just settle in a flat that you don't really want. What you really want is the highest aligned flat. The visa is just a vehicle to that. So don't overthink it. And that was at least something I could know along the slow and plodding path that I was on talking, you know, and the visa constraints of everything. Okay, now we have Lisanne Vanderweave who said, I have a question on beanbags. After I released a beanbag, I feel this lingering sense as if the outline of the beanbag is still there. Is this a sign I haven't completely released it? That's really interesting, Lisanne. I've actually never heard any client ask this question and I've never sensed that kind of feeling. So I, um, this is a great question because I've never heard it. Maybe, maybe it is a sign that it's not completely released. What I tell people to do when I'm beanbag releasing with them is I say, go for gold. If you get out 80%, 80%'s gone, 90%, 90%'s gone, 100, 100. So do not hold back. Go into that feeling completely. Please do not not feel that feeling. So the client I just mentioned that I worked with yesterday, she also had this feeling, a beanbag, that felt like a loser because her applications for these full time jobs were not. Um, going through for her. And so she's starting to feel a beanbag that felt like she felt like a loser. And I said, well, we don't need that beanbag in you. You don't need to have the feeling of feeling like a loser in your body. Let's get that out. You know, so we went for the feeling of feeling like a loser in, I think she said it felt like a basketball in the pit of her stomach. So that's what we were going for. And eventually she got it down to a mini basketball and then to 
a, like a bouncy ball. So it kept getting smaller and smaller, but we tried to keep getting it to the point where she couldn't even vibrate it anymore. She was going in to try to try to feel the feeling of being a loser, but in the location, the feeling of feeling like a loser is living in, in the body. That's the game. That's the only your awareness can do the location seeking and sensing and the physical, non, the non-physical, but perceptual experience of the volume of the emotion and its location. Only your inner voice awareness, not inner voice, but your awareness can sense that. And that's not your mind's ability or job to do so. But when you're using that, you're actually transmuting it back to pure awareness. And that's the magic of beanbag releasing. So if there is this outline, it could be just kind of like, an emptiness that's left where that energy packet of of stuff used to be, or if it's still the lingering sense of feeling like a loser, (laughs) then maybe that outline is a sign that it's not completely released. Um, Just get out as much as you can. I wouldn't overstress about it, but um, I guess next time you have one, you could play with that and see does going back in and trying to scratch out the last bits just by feeling it. Just keep feeling the feeling. Keep trying to feel the feeling of feeling like a loser when the outline feeling is still there and see what happens. See if it goes further away or if it just kind of just delays and stays stuck. The idea is that hopefully in the future you won't actually feel nearly as much like a loser the next time an application might get rejected. Now we have Jen Lara who said, Q&A, new faves to recommend in London. Cute guide 2.0. I actually think that this is kind of very good as a question. I've really, especially in this last year, been collecting more and more places and spots that I love and want to go. And so I definitely can see that a cute tour would be great, a London cute tour. And also, you guys have been asking for this. I love that I am just, I just like now that I feel like I've turned a corner and I'm just like asking you guys, what do you guys want? And just kind of giving you what you're asking for and being in this support in this way. One of the things you guys have been asking for endlessly is a lot of live events, especially IVFT grads are asking for a retreat, asking for a retreat. So I'm going to look into as the visa stuff is moving forward now that I can actually potentially host events here. That sounds fantastic. So I want to theoretically create a cute tour guide for London so that the people that come to the event would be able to enjoy all the things that I enjoy here if they want to like look through the guide and then figure out which ones seem like something they want to go experience. So I can definitely say that is a great suggestion and I definitely can imagine that the curation of that guide and the creation of that guide can possibly align to that retreat or some kind of live events thing in London so that it kind of coincides and does two jobs at the same time. Of course, it could still be a um, a thing for other people to purchase just separately from a retreat or something. So don't worry if you're not going to come to the retreat, that's fine. But you still might get the London SKU tour. I have to think about what will be fun is thinking about the art for that the visuals and stuff for that, because I really loved how I did the Lisbon cute tour with this amazing artist in Lisbon. I don't know if I would work again with her because it's she's so talented, but she's Lisbon. And I kind of love that she was like representative of the ethos of the art direction and style that I love so much there. So I don't know if I'd have to maybe like flow into art direction and style of, of England or London or something like that, maybe as an alternative kind of get some potentials cooking in the oven and see what what flows for that. Okay, now we have the Joy-Filled Seeker. What a cute Instagram name. She says, hi, Bella, my two-part question for the Q&A episode. Love those, by the way. Okay, what's your mind's favorite flower? And what does your inner voice have to say about flowers and enjoying them as humans? Does your inner voice have a favorite flower? Ooh, that's a fun mixture. Okay, so my mind's favorite flower is a rose. But what actually first came to my mind, even when 
I read that was iris. So iris is, I, if you guys know, last year I got really into flower arranging. I took flower arranging courses and I think I might take some more again. I'm really excited to get pots and have some plants outside in my balcony too, which is just perfect for a really cute little you know, potted garden moment. It's just seeing it from, I'm actually just excited to see it as like extra decorating potential, visual joy to see from within the flat. Like, I don't know how much I'll actually be going on to the balcony per se, but just being able to see the beauty of the balcony filled with pots and plants. My new favorite obsession <laughs> to look at is urns, like big, big pots and urns that are very expensive because I want like the patina of the urns. There's these beautiful ones that are outrageously expensive in Soho home in Chelsea. And I just go in and I get a matcha latte there and I just admire these very expensive pots and just imagine like, I don't know if I'd actually buy them because they're very expensive, like th multi thousands of pounds for these urns that are so stunning. I'm like, hmm, could I like learn how to do a textured pot like that and get a regular terracotta and add this little textured white material to it to give myself my own effect or what? I don't know exactly. But these are the things that I'm in my joyful alignment um, imagining, I guess. And and having definitely, oh, you know what I haven't thought about is putting pots in Bella Vita. I should just have like a whole pot garden, a potted garden that's like the size of a, a garden maze and Bella Vita sounds fun just to really play with to, with pots to my heart's content without having to pay for anything. They'll all be free there. So that'll be fun. But anyways, favorite flowers that are cut are roses classically, like hands down classically. That's my favorite. And then also I loved making last year. I haven't done it yet in a long time, but rose bushes. So I used to, I love the hedges all over the areas that I live in London. There are these big, big bushes of roses. And so these giant rose bushes are kind of lining the streets of my area. And I love stopping and smelling the roses and actually all of the flowers. The roses aren't quite blooming. Well, some of them are right now. It's amazing, by the way, London blooms almost year round. Like it's wild how mild and how quickly the flowers start to bloom in the wintertime. Like there are already a lot of flowers out. The crocuses are out. They're carpeting the, the, the fields of like Hyde Park and everything. There's a lot blooming right now. It's totally stunning. So I have been smelling other flowers that are very fragrant. I don't know exactly what those little white ones that are in little buds are, but I've been doing that and I've been creating my own rosebush decor in my cutting. So I'll just get branches and bushy green plants and then I'll get like five or six roses. And then I put the pot or the vase, I'll put the big bushel of, of greens that are kind of representing the leaves of the big rose bushes that I see when I walk around. And then I'll put like blotting into them or spotted into them. I put these roses and it just gives me the effect of the rose bushes that I walk by all the time. And it just is really cute. And I mean, in a sense, sort of like semi cost effective because you get a big bang for your buck. The greens usually don't cost a ton and they last a long time. And then the roses, you only have to get five or six to get the effect of the rose bush thing. So you don't have to get like 12 roses or anything. The flower prices here have definitely gone up. Uh, so it's more fun to find these like interesting ways to play with that. Or right now I'm loving branches in my vases right now. It adds this height and this drama and this beauty to, it's very Athena Caldron and Ice Wound, um, but I'm loving that. So that's my favorite flowers. I obviously could talk about this for a long time. Chelsea Flower Show is coming up and I'm really excited to see if I can go to it this year and enjoy and see what that's all about since it's just a walk away from where I live and is something that is a new little passion. And then as far as my inner voice, 
Roses, roses, roses. Oh, that's interesting. I was going to think it was going to say um, lilies because I had a blanket that I traveled with for since university until like 2020. I had this like simple it was like a polar fleece white blanket. And I nicknamed it, I named it like a Wilson, like Tom Hanks in that movie with Wilson, the volleyball. I named the blanket at some point because I was around it all the time. It's like, this is like my my companion on these trips. So I named it Lily. I have a new blanket now, another white fleece blanket, and it's called Bergamo. Um, but the Lily is what the other one, the first one was. So I was gonna think that maybe I picked that from my inner voice. I don't mentally like lilies that much at all. Not like classic big Easter lilies. That's not my cup of tea. Lily of the Valley is a really special to me. I could go on forever about flowers. <laughs> Obviously, I should do like maybe an episode of joy. Just talking about my love for flowers. Uh, it's just amazing. And as far as the joy of them, I just think they are for joy. Obviously, there's a pollination and there's like the bees and all of the other infrastructure of the ecosystem. But how beautiful is it that there's something that is so stunning that we can enjoy in our nature and in our environment that just, I think, they remind us of the presence of everything because they're there for the beauty and they don't last for very long, especially, you know, obviously once they're cut. And um, there's just this like presence seeking joy moment, kind of like candles, crystals, pots, plants. These are all the things that I actually decorate with in my flat. And I'm actually excited, guys, that decorating in the flat on that note is really taking shape. Um, the shelves that I've designed are getting made right now. So I'm getting pictures of the oak stain and I'm just so excited. I've got um, some pieces of mirrors and art to hang and my big piece of art I've just purchased from Australia is on its way to me as of yesterday. So yeah, just really excited. Curtains arrived. I need to get them hung now. I need to look for a TV to have in the living room and um, we'll probably look and do a little shopping for that potentially over the weekend. And like I said, pots outside. So it does seem like even though I've been living in cardboard box land for a while and I don't even have any plans yet to replace the boxes, I know what I want my nightstands and coffee table to look like, generally speaking, but I haven't floated ideal like, ah, that's it. That potential hasn't landed yet. So these other pieces though are coming in very soon. So I'm excited because it's kind of been at a standstill for the better part of the last two-ish months. So I'm excited to see. I'm actually so used to now just having our as it is on the ground and as this life is. It's going to be almost weird to see the flat in a more finished and more filled out space, but I'm excited to, to watch the evolution. Now we have, hey, Alex Good, who said you mentioned have less quantity, but greater quality friendships. How did you move into this? My inner voice is telling me something similar, but my mind is struggling not being liked by everyone. Oh my goodness. Last year was the culling of all cullings of everything in my life. I called my name, obviously from just, Tabella. I called my relationships. I called all my possessions. I up-leveled and shifted everything. Now, the power of changing my name, practically speaking. Now, you can do the same effect without changing your first name by just making a Bella Vita name for yourself. So make your own non-physical name for yourself and then imagine what your Bella Vita would look like. And then imagine what possessions you would choose for your Bella Vita version of your life or your Leah Vita version of your life or your Alex Vita version, or you can name it something different, um, whatever the, the, that reality you want it to be like. And then think about the relationships that that part of you without any limitations and highest alignment would curate, cultivate, and continue. So one of the things I had, there was a there was a friend in Portugal that I was dearly close to when I was in Portugal. And then when I got to London or was even in Australia too, after I left basically Portugal, there was this shift in the relationship that didn't feel 
it didn't, it just like the relationship itself kind of like fell apart on itself. And I asked my inner voice, like I was feeling, it was always really nice in many ways when I was there, but not always the perfect, perfect aligned fit. Like not like Jess in Detroit, like that friendship is just next level. Um, Jess and I get along so well and we don't even see each other in person. We just constantly talk on the phone. That's all we even need to have such an epic connection. But this other friend, um, once I left, it kind of like just seemed to just hit these like weird bumps and stuff and it didn't feel good to me. My inner voice eventually, after a lot of time talking to it, got I got out. It said it, it was a time space reality friendship. It was a space reality friendship. It was for you in person. You guys were friends. But outside of being in person, the friendship didn't really sustain the same level or frequency. And I was being called to let it go. And it just, I didn't have to. I could have kind of, in a sense, suffered the lower vibration of the connection. But that drain on myself because of how our mutual aligned ways of sharing and being interested in supporting each other. It worked pretty well when we were in person and in the same city and had all of that stuff in common. But once I wasn't there, the inner worlds, those deeper dimensions and so forth just didn't really, we didn't share that stuff. And so, especially with like Jess in Detroit, even though I barely ever see her, I can connect to her on this non-physical level in a way. It's not like we're going to fake Bella Vita's and like imagining ourselves there, but we just can connect on this deeper level that supports the distance that we have. And it doesn't mean I couldn't make new friends in London that are again, time, space, reality friends. And when I'm in the same time and space that it's fun, but, and I could have kind of another alternative outcome could have been to, instead of kind of completing the relationship, it could have been just see her when I'm there or just see her when she's here. But trying to maintain that active ongoing relationship at long distance just didn't flow. The way that naturally either of us would want to show up for the other was not an alignment. And so I had to just be willing to choose myself over her. So be willing to choose what felt good in myself over worrying about what felt good in her. And a lot of the time I felt like I was having to make sacrifices knowing her constraints of time and interest and connecting and availability and everything versus how I was able to show up for her. And so I felt like I was showing up way more with the capacity also to show up way more than she had the capacity to show up for me. And I always understood this and I always kind of accommodated it, but eventually it just didn't feel good. It didn't feel balanced. It didn't feel easy. And so I just did this huge culling. I have very few friends now, um, but those friendships I have are 10 out of 10 friendships. And one of the other things I had to do was shift my mindset around my brother. I love my brother so much. And from a very young age, I have two brothers. One, I really have very little in common with. So it's much more just a very functional brother. But the other brother was the one of all of my family members that I felt like I could connect to on the deepest potential level. Maybe not the deepest compared to other people in my life, but certainly in my family, he was the one I could connect to the most. And I had to do the same thing with him last year too. I sent him a voice message after I realized that I had been torturing myself trying to be friends with my brother. But again, my brother has so many friends and is so popular and so living his own life as he should that he wasn't really having the capacity to be the friend the way I'm friends with my other friends. And so he's in a more relaxed kind of way, like the friend in Portugal. They're very similar, actually. They have lots of friends, they have lots going on, and they're kind of dropped the ball, at least to my way of doing friendship in comparison. And there's nothing wrong with their way of being friends. They would be great friends with each other because they totally get it. But I just wasn't being that kind of friendship or wanting to have friends like that in my life because I had called it so much that I everybody that was there was that 10 out of 10 there for me, ride or dies, basically. And so 
I had to realize I had to fire my brother as my friend and make him just my brother. So from a very young age, I was always just trying to be his friend. But then it just realized like I would never accept the slow replies or the intermittent communication from a friend. And I was kind of ending this other friendship for the same behavior. But I was because my brother was my brother making these exceptions and endlessly trying to hope that it would change and actually recognizing, no, he's a family member. He doesn't actually cut it as the 10 out of 10 friendship side. We still have a great bond. He still is the closest family member in my family that I have to go to the deepest levels with. So we still communicate. We still text. It's not like the end of the world. I just stopped trying to overinvest as if he was one of my ride or die friends. And so I'm just sharing my experience, obviously, Alex, here completely. I'm not projecting what you should do in yours. But I hope that by sharing these little, especially these two specifically, that some of the pieces and parts of what I've experienced, maybe they'll relate. Maybe they won't. Who knows? But I can just say that, yeah, going into Bella and being Bella, who's Bella friends with? It was a smaller group of core people that have the space, the capacity, and the time to pour into me as much as I do to them. And it just is so easy. I have to say, it was a bit scary to call and to have less. But I have to say, the flow and alignment of having 10 out of 10 friendships and less expectation on anybody else that's naturally not a natural alignment to that 10 out of 10, like they don't want to naturally easily show up the same way. It's just so much easier. And I know that everybody's in different scenarios and everybody's in different kind of group contexts of multi-friends and places and spaces or work and those kind of things. So I'm obviously living a pretty isolated life in the sense that I just moved somewhere new. I've lived around the world for eight years, so I've cut a lot of relationships. Naturally, they've organically kind of decayed over time that didn't have that lasting staying power. And even things that were transitions from my last phase of life in Portugal into here, there was kind of a new up-leveling. And I will say I often am alone in London because I just stick with my 10 out of 10 friends. And my 10 out of 10 friends here in London are two. I have two 10 out of 10 friends, and I haven't made more 10 out of 10 friends. I've definitely dated, and those um, haven't, you know, when I'm dating someone seriously, obviously they're a wonderful person to be with. But then outside of that, I've even tried to make some of the guys I've dated or gone on a date with, but not really hit it off romantically, tried to see if they would be friends. And I have not yet successfully navigated someone that will actually just platonically be friends with me. They usually want to date or they don't want to stick around. So that's fine. But I, I just hope and, and trust that like the right ones will flow in. And in the meantime, I spend a lot of time with myself or talking to my friend Jess on the phone, which is part of my deep companionship in general. And then I have Dee Dee and Mark, my two good friends in London to do physical things with. And Eileen is in Scotland, so she's just a little bit of further away. But yeah, these are like kind of my core locals. And then I still have my great friends in Australia and in America too. So it's everyone's going to find their inner voice guiding them differently to their specific relationship dynamics. But those are my own personal stories in case that feels slightly relatable to your mind and, and your practical living of, of this kind of thing. Now we have Andrea Tenorio. She says, I've been wondering what's your definition of flow? If you have one to go in the alignment of things unfolding without deciding it's right or wrong as they unfold. That's my inner voice's answer to that. I've never actually had to define it. So there you go. That's what my inner voice replied. 
Now we have Nicole Roslin who says, Q&A, my question revolves around eating and exercise habits. I'm on a journey right now to reconnect with my intuition around these topics, but sometimes it's tough to know what's intuition and what still remains from ingrained diet culture habits. For instance, I was under eating for a long time, but truly felt like my intuition wasn't telling me to eat. Like, for example, I wasn't hungry. I also have the tendency to over-exercise sometimes because in the moment it feels right, but then I realize after that I pushed too hard. I guess my question is, how did you figure out what is the true voice of the intuition and find a place where you're truly nourishing and taking care of your body and not using intuition as an excuse to continue disordered habits? Really good question. Have you ever dealt with this yourself? Hope this makes sense. Thanks for your amazing show. Oh, that's such a good and insightful question, Nicole. I think it's a really wise, the fact that you're even able to ask that question, I'm like, am I using my intuition as a like fall boy or whatever the right phrase would be, like as a, a scapegoat for behavior that's still actually out of alignment. You know, that kind of thing is what you're feeling. And it's so good to ask the question because some people, the, the, the biggest chance is you'll be doing that when you're not asking the question and even realizing you're doing it. And so at least the fact that you're asking that question is all the more closely to the next stage of definitely not doing it because you're actually aware that you could be. And so if you're aware you could be, you can stop doing it when you catch it. So good job for catching that. Now, yeah, basically you have to learn how to live normally. <laughs> Isn't it so funny to live naturally, to basically not let your mind get in the way of the natural way of things. So it's okay to feel hungry. It's not needed to starve. <laughs> and I, I lived those, those under eating years and I used to basically starve myself in the sense that I would be ravenously hungry. And instead of following the cues of hunger to eat more, <laughs> I would say, no, the calorie count for today has been met. I will not eat anymore or I'll only eat clementines or something stupid like that. So I remember those days very well. And I also used to personally run marathons in the intention to lose weight when I was in the mind. And so obviously now those are not things that I now do. I guess this this is, I, I love, I realized marathon training needed to go. Like, that was just not even joyful aside from the idea of losing weight. So I stopped doing that. But what I learned from marathon training is that I love the long runs and I loved the ability to see so many spaces and places and be outside moving the body. I just didn't want to be running and plodding and sweating and huffing and puffing and not really taking in the beauty of what I was seeing around me as much as if I was walking. So I just learned, oh, I actually like long distances. I just like walking them instead of running them. So that's a joy. Now I notice that I tend to walk a lot. Like I, when I can make up an air to go through the park, I will make up an errand to go through the park and that'll give me a two hour walk there and then do whatever errand I've made up for myself to do and then back. And sometimes I'll just go aimlessly in the park too, but I tend to like the idea of having a little thing I need to go, like I need a lotion or my hair oil is out and then I need to go to Liberty of London to get my hair oil and then I go to Liberty of London, get the hair oil and walk home. Like I love that because it gives me this two hour joy of getting the little errand of the hair oil and getting to see all the, the flowers, the trees, the people, the air, just to enjoy the nature that is Hyde Park. I That's why I love London so much. I can shop in all the places I love and go to great restaurants and food all around this stunning piece of nature that I get to walk through there and back. Like That's just so unique. I've never been in a place that is so matched to the things that I love to do in an accessible by foot way than here. So anyways, that is something I love and it's joy. And I tend to walk, let's say like 
I mean, on in the summer, I can get up close to touching and sometimes over 30,000 steps. Oftentimes, a good walk day for me will be 16 to 25,000 steps. Um, and yesterday, I didn't leave the house until dinner time because it was raining cats and dogs, and I didn't want to go out in the rain. And so I didn't even leave. What it is is then recognizing for Nicole that like my mind often says, yeah, I tend to walk like 20 thousand steps a day. But yesterday I didn't walk at all. And I don't make that day wrong or that day bad. That's flowing with the nature of myself, my body, and how the weather was that day. So that ability to love walking a ton is not bad, but I do it when it actually aligns to joy and feeling naturally in my schedule capable. I'm not pushing myself to say, oh, I've got to get the steps in at all. It's just, I like to make up an errand. So I get to walk somewhere pretty and then I get to walk home. I'm not doing it so that I can get the satisfaction of the step count, but my mind does look at the step count just out of curiosity, but I don't make a week where I don't do as many a wrong week. And I don't make a right week out of the days where I might go through the park like and get those 20,000 steps seven days a week or, or even three or four days or five days a week. It's not that doesn't matter, basically. So as long as it doesn't matter. And then hunger, instead of starving myself, I'm kind of hungry right now. Like my belly might do a little rumbling even while I'm with you guys. But I'm excited to know that when I'm done with this episode, I'll go eat. Like I'm not starving myself until tomorrow because my calorie count is up. I'm just like, oh, I'm feeling the feeling of hunger right now, as I would because I just did Pilates this morning. And I'm it's 1220 right now as I'm recording. So it's kind of lunchtime. And I'm sure by like close to one, when I stop, I'll be really hungry and I'll go eat. Cool. It's just allowing the feeling of hunger not to, yeah, I just heard my belly rumble right there. It's not wrong that it's doing that. And it's not at like level 12 starvation mode. It's just doing it naturally. So I don't know if you can notice the difference between when am I withholding food and when am I forcing exercise versus you naturally like to work out hard and you naturally like hunger and like not eating tons of food until you're stuffed. So I would say that there's a relaxedness of nothing's right and nothing's wrong. There's just the now moments, joyful 10 out of 10 thing. Yesterday, 10 out of 10 was not to leave the house until the rain was gone. And today's 10 out of 10 will be walking probably to Primrose Hill, which is super far. And will be like an hour and 40 minute walk just to get all the way up there. I probably won't walk back, but I'll do the walk up. And that will be the alignment because it's beautiful blue skies with puffy clouds, and I'll get to enjoy all those flowers along the way. I don't know if this helps, but it's just really natural, I guess, is the difference. And being able to have that assessment in yourself is so good. So I'm really happy you're already asking. And then ask your inner voice on the specifics of what you are questioning about the behavior you have, that you're like, "Mm, is this my mind just shooting on me, but pretending to be intuition or not? Ask your inner voice. Now we have Celia. Hello, Celia. She says, Bella, question for Q&A. Are there still times when you lose faith for a moment? And how do you find it back? Oh, well, definitely my mind on certain things can definitely you know, throw a fit (laughs) about something. Definitely. But especially it depends on the subject, Celia. Okay. So my mind can have an electrical storm in my mind about 
stuff. Okay, so we have a new um, person on our team, Devin. Devin's doing amazing. Devin was, Ella was our manager for years and years. Ella did such a great job. And just like all managers came before Ella, Devin is doing an amazing job. So there's this fifth generation manager who sustained this frequency of joyful operations. And I've got this new person to work with. And my mind has this, I've noticed this happen where I'm living because of you guys, <laughs> this as a hundred percent, basically inner voice led as like I'm really pretty like 99.9%. Right now I'm pretty damn close to like 100% inner voice is doing what feels right in the moments and I'm flowing with all of that opportunity with you guys. But as Devin's coming in, this is happening. So Devin's coming in to get to know me and the team as I'm going into this 100% inner voice. And my inner voice is a free range chicken. Like, I don't know, it's going to want to do things and through me and so forth. So I had this idea for these classes you guys asked for, but the timings of it, I mentally thought would happen at different times, but my intuition didn't want to. So my mind had an electrical storm about this because it didn't want Devin to think I was just some lazy person that wasn't showing up for her on time or in a reliable way or anything because of my intuition not flowing in my own mind's assessment of when it should happen or when I think, quote unquote, in the mind, it will happen. It felt a little bit self-conscious about that. I don't think it would have felt that way with Ella because I've known her for so long and she might have just seen, yeah, she's really going even deeper into her inner voice this time. But Devin was new to this and I was going even deeper and more relaxed and into the stillness of slowness of the inner voice that was coming through for that period of time. And I was like, oh God, oh God, she's my, my mind thought she might think I'm a weirdo or something. I don't even know exactly. Just I was not being responsible, something like that, that kind of line of thought. So kind Kind of you could say in a way lose faith in a sense like minor voice isn't showing up for Devin the way that I mentally wanted to but all of that could be there now that's electrical because the magnetics the emotion of my system was not being activated so yeah the thoughts were there there was like a little mental friction about that but it was kind of like static electricity it really wasn't that charged. It wasn't that heavy. It wasn't that powerful. The emotions are like the big thunderclouds that shake and quake your body and get you to really passionately move forward or do something dramatic, right? Those emotions aren't tied to the thoughts that go to that train of thought. So that kind of subject, I can lose faith in my inner voice and showing up to look great for Devin in the way, a really dependable way that my mind might want to. But there's not much... um friction because there's not much emotion that matches the thoughts. The thoughts are there, but they don't really bug me because there's nothing really, they don't pack a punch. They're not really propelling me to feel that bad. They're just thoughts. They're not actually beanbags at all. So that's one area that there's no beanbags. Now you guys heard that episode where I talked about the flat in the visas. Based on the Australian visa system and how that all played out in 2018, I had getting the flat now before the visa happened, when the visa people here went quiet, I had a ton of old anxiety from Australia come up and I had a ton of reactivity and a ton of thunderstorm beanbags to deal with to the point where I was getting, you know, hurting my back and having to get physically fixed for the issues in my tissues. So <laughs> just know that that was definitely losing faith at the sense of like, it really was churning up all this emotion. But at the end of the day, because I do have these skills and tools, I'm able to work through 
that experience and come out the other side to the point where I released the issues and the tissues. I did get relaxed. I did get open. I did get to a place of surrender about, I don't know what's going to happen. And I shared those 20 things that could have happened. And if I didn't get the visa, you know, so I got to this place of friendly unknown, like, we'll just see what happens without having to, I got my faith back. Not that it, the visa would specifically work out until I saw that it did, but just that I'd be okay, that no matter what happens, I'll get back to I'll be okay and my inner voice is guiding me. And so it does sometimes take on things, but usually things that have beanbags in history in the past, historical beanbags on a subject, or and this is classic for everybody, people that have trauma in a past area will tend to have the same area be your mind's worry war place as well. So um, yeah, that's the truth for me. Um, very, very, very few things besides the past lives. Oh my God, the number of past lives I dealt with personally in my life last year was outrageous. <laughs> that was exhausting. Thank God I don't feel nearly as pummeled by that experience. Um, now I haven't been having past life after past life flowing in to be integrated. So it's been much more peaceful um, and much more steady and stable. And that's been great though. How good has it been that that is happening when it happened in the past, instead of happening while like my family is going through the healthcare of my dad and all this kind of other stuff, dealing with past lives while that was happening would have been extra stressful. So I'm happy that it all came out when it did to get integrated and also to really ultimately help you guys. I love knowing how to deal with past lives now for not only myself, but also for the clients I work with on those one-on-one sessions. I think I did past lives with probably five of the six people this week. They might not have even thought they had a past life, but as I hear and listen, to their stories and what they're dealing with, oftentimes there is. And by the way, if you're wondering if you have a past life connection to some pattern that feels really stuck in you, ask your inner voice if it's true. And if you do, go to one of the IVFT facilitators. You don't have to come to me specifically. You can go to the past life specialty trained facilitators and you can go to find a facilitators page on our website and you can just pick one and work with somebody to release if you have one. So you just ask your inner voice, is this pattern that I have in my life that stresses me out a lot part connected to a past life. If you get a yes to that, ask, should I go talk to a facilitator and get some help to release it? If you get a yes to that, then of course, feel free to work with one of the facilitators to help you. And I know Celia is one of those past life trained facilitators, so you can even go to her if you want to. Now we have Olivia Rose who says, question for the Q&A, what do your mornings look like now? Does your inner voice have a morning routine it generally likes to follow? What a fun question. I love that question. So I don't have a set routine. It's truly an alignment of the moment in the day that is happening. So if I have an early morning appointment, like a Pilates class or an appointment that's going to happen or a meeting or something, then I obviously adjust to the time frame that that is. But if I don't have something like yesterday, for example, it was... Um, 3.30 was my first appointment. It was my client session. 3.30 is a six. So I didn't have anything on the calendar until then. And so let's say a morning's like that, when I'm single and just living on my own, I'll wake up whenever I want to wake up. So whenever my body allows that. Sometimes I've been waking up in the middle of the night. So I might be up for an hour or two in the middle of the night, and then I'll want to sleep in a little later into the morning. So it's not like I've been out for 12 hours, even if it feels like I've been in the bed for a longer time, closer to 10 or so hours. It's sometimes not actually definitely not an uninterrupted amount of time, but I'll get up whenever my body feels like it. And then I will 
I just have these like little things I like doing. They're just alignments. So I love eating my breakfast, which tends to be for a long time now. I don't even know how many years it's been, but I love dates and then some kind of nut butter or seed butter, like pumpkin seed butter, and then honey, some really beautiful honey from wherever I'm at, and then blueberries on top. I have like five dates split in half with the butter, the nut butter, the honey, and the blueberries on top. And that is just joy in a plate. I just love that breakfast so much. So, so, so much. 10 out of 10. And then I love now, my new thing is a matcha latte. So I've been making matcha lattes with oat milk and rose water. I put those together and I usually like listening to YouTube videos about beauty treatments that are coming out and um, you know, health things and all the supplements, that kind of stuff. So I watch YouTube channels about that kind of subject while I'm getting ready. For some reason, that's the content I like watching in the morning. I like outfit videos and other makeup videos and stuff, but those are usually things that I find aligning to watch in the afternoon or evening. The morning tends to be the healthy supplements and beauty treatment stuff. For some reason, that's just the alignment. And then I will take a shower or I'll, you know, start putting my face care on and do my little routine with that. I use the Face Gym Pro, which I love, and then do my makeup, which is joyful. And I put an outfit together, which I love. And then, um, yeah, so something in those forms. Those are all very joyful things. I also look at the phone, by the way. This is not something, I feel very happy with my phone time. I feel very um, balanced about it. Like I'm on it a fair bit, but I don't make it wrong that I am. Um, I don't make it right. I'm not attached to it like in an addicted way. It's just like when I'm alone, this is a way that I can communicate with you guys. So there's like, if I'm on Instagram, there's like a hybrid of like joy and um, information seeking and research for potential. Like Instagram knows I'm decorating my house. So it gives me a lot of advertising to like stone cutters, which I might maybe eventually find the right stone for the coffee table or for the nightstands. And also like I get to talk to you guys or I get to see what other creators are making and doing that I love and enjoy or outfitting. So I've got a lot of joy coming from that. But you also might know, I don't know if you realize, but I only follow 33 people on Instagram. So I have a very small feed to get through every day. So that's part of why I think it doesn't really overwhelm me is that I don't have an endless scroll of stories and stuff to keep up with. I'm just going in to see 33 people. And if I have the joy to have someone new in the, the list of 33, then somebody's got to go because I like the aligned number. I could do a 22 or 44. I just have that preference of aligned numbers. It doesn't have to be 37 for me. Of course, I could make it 37 people or if I wanted to, but I tend to keep a, a a tight ship of an aligned number of some kind. And for years, it's been 33. And so it's very easy for me to enjoy the, the phone too in the morning. It's definitely not something I'm against. Sometimes I'll do an LED mask and meditate in the morning as well um, as something that's aligning if I have a really, really open morning and I haven't done it lately. Yeah, I might do that. Because I, I think in my head too, especially when it's a cloudy day in London, I like the idea that even though I use the little goggles for the LED mask, so it doesn't get in my eyes too much, I like the idea that the photons are going on my face and giving my face some support and light, um, even if I'm not going to see a bright light because of all the cloud coverage in London in the winter. So those are the morning routines. And obviously things lately are looking a little different because I'm seeing someone. And so obviously changing the routine a little bit naturally to flow together rather than to um, be on my own. But when I am on my own, that is what the, the routines previously and normally look like. Now we have Brianna Weiss who says, do you see Bella Vita in the first person perspective or do you see yourself like you are watching a movie? It's something I've been playing around with. Thanks. Oh, that is a great question, Brianna. I'd say both. I 
That's such a good question. I definitely see my avatar a lot when I imagine what I'm wearing. Sometimes I go into the body and I'll feel the feeling of the body being light and at ease and lean and beautiful and vivacious and alive. I do feel it into the body, but I also like looking at the body. So I definitely switch between looking at my avatar doing things and being the avatar in the solarium that is my flower arranging platform. So it's a bit of both actually, definitely not just one or the other just depends on the activity basically that I'm getting joy from in the space. Jennifer Kroll says, uh, next travel destination. Oh, I don't know. I actually do not. I can't think of one. I don't have one on the docket. I just did Brussels most recently to get my stamp to shift my passport from tourist to uh, the visa that I'm on now for working, Global Expansion Mobility Visa. So I did that the other week and I think that was like almost three weeks ago, but no plans on the docket. So to be decided in the flow, I guess, I can't really say. Now we have Carolyn Murphy who says, how do you balance following your inner voice and staying true to yourself while also sharing your life with people, family, partner, kids, et cetera, whose needs sometimes have to come first, even if that doesn't feel in alignment? Thanks in advance. Carolyn, this is a great question. And this is something you have to go to your inner voice for. Your mind has a story that says, I can't do what I want because of my kids or because of my partner, or because of my family. Okay, inner voice, is that true? Is it true that I can't do what you want me to do? And you have to go inner voice to what you want me to do not what your mind wants to do, because it's very, 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 very unlikely and not impossible. I'm just saying, you got to go into your inner voice about this. But I have yet to find an inner voice that's not in alignment with the life that they're actually living in terms of finding a way to flow with the alignment of the actual inner voice's desire in alignment to the inner voice's desires of the other people in their lives. Now, that said, there might be, let's say like with a partner, there might be feeling like it's time to end a relationship and the partner might not feel like it's time to end the relationship. So I, I definitely get in that kind of a situation where your inner voice's alignment may not feel at all like the inner, the alignment of the other person. However, let's say the breakup scenario is a great one because it's pretty extreme. The other person's inner voice will not be mad at you, I promise you. Their mind might freak out and have trauma and projections and all that annoying and, and difficult stuff to deal with, but their inner voice is never in a misalignment with the inner voice of you. It's almost like there's a congruency and a unity of alignment within the souls of all of the, and the inner voices of all of everyone that is not experienced necessarily in the mind at all. But that is true. And you can find that from all the inner voicing if you're actually getting to your inner voice or even tuning into the inner voice of the partner. They are not against it. Their minds certainly might be against it in the moment, but their souls actually aren't. And so if you know that, this would also hold true then for children. So you'd have to ask, inner voice, do you really want me to drop everything and go to the the Bali retreat that I, you know, and it might say yes and say, then you say, well, what about the kids? And it might say, let your parents watch them. <laughs> you might say, well, what about the money that I need? That I need, they need it for their ice skating. And your inner voice might say, it'll come. Like, so there may be mental stories of resistance to inner voice activities that are aligning that you're not seeing the potentials that allow that to also be true and have a nice life for your kids. Or you might feel like getting a divorce is going to make your kids' lives worse. The kids might even feel like their lives are worse. I've even had a client this week that had that scenario literally come up in the, in the session, but her inner voice as we inner voice with her 
inner voice said that the kids knew this coming in, that the parents weren't going to stay in the same unity when they, so the souls weren't surprised that their parents um, split up basically, even though the parents didn't have that intention or know it was going to happen in their own minds as humans, the souls of the kids knew and it was not a, a problem or a travesty of the experience. And actually it was very interesting that that was an interesting line of experiences because the family itself had had a past life together or maybe many, I don't, we didn't go into the details with the inner voice of what the past lives were, but there was power struggles in the past lives. And so they're working their way out through this life as well. And it said that for her, it was time for her to heal and to stay in peace instead of being a part of the power struggles that were playing out in the historical past lives that the family members had. And so there, that it said to be in witness and support and compassion and calmness when the kids are fighting it out or when the kids are saying they wish they didn't have to go to dad's house and not to get activated and to get into a protesting kind of energy to get take sides or to start fighting anything, but just to let them, it said basically, let them work this out through themselves. You are not here to solve this for them. They're here to figure this out and grow in themselves. And she's here to figure this out and grow within herself into peace and clarity. It was so cool because it was basically asking her to be Eckhart Tolle enlightened in a family that's got a lot of stuff going on and not to add to the drama by being one of them throwing herself into the wrestling match, if you will, and just to stay on the sidelines in peace and be there for support and calmness and steadiness and stillness for when they are ready to come to her, but not to launch into it or go launch into some big tirade with the ex-husband or anything. It was to stay in balance is what she was being called to do. So you're going to have to find, Carolyn, what is specifically your mind might be feeling, complaining about that it can't do and ask your inner voice, is that true? And inner voice, do you want me to do it? And if so, then why can't I do it? Or can I do it with the kids in tow or not, or the partner, et cetera? All right, my friends, there you have it. Thank you so much for your questions. It was so fun to be able to go through a good old fashioned Q&A with you. Until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today. <laughs>